last three weeks um, called Resilience, Self-Awareness and Being Intentional as Keys to Overcoming Setbacks in Our Lives and How to Move Forward in the Promises that God Has for Us. So um, the last two weeks, the one week I did Building Resilience in Our Lives, that's that ability to bounce back after we've had a setback and difficult things in our lives. And then last week I spoke about self-awareness, just um, when, when Jesus helps us to understand ourselves better so that we can overcome our blind spots, that we can be more effective and not see repeated patterns in our lives so that we can um, move on and have success. And so today, what I want to speak about is being intentional. And um, I think it's such a wonderful key because if I had to make up a definition of being intentional, it means living from a sense of purpose and aligning our life's choices and priorities around that purpose. So maybe I can just say that again. Being intentional means living from a sense of purpose and aligning, aligning our life's choices and our priorities around that purpose. And if I have to look out across this room, all of us here have different giftings, different skill sets, different uh, personalities, different strengths and different weaknesses. We're all different. And that's what is so wonderful because it would be terrible if we were all the same kind of person. But God has something that he's put in our hearts when we come to him, when we come to Christ, he starts to align us around a common cause, around a common purpose. So we're different and yet God gives us a common cause for our lives. And Jesus put it very simply like this in Matthew 6.33, and I'm sure you could quote this verse out of, your, out of your head. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. When Jesus was sitting on that mountainside when he was giving the Sermon on the Mount and talking to his followers, I think it was one of those real heart-to-heart chats. He was really connecting well with them. And I don't think anyone left the mountain that day unchanged. Because he was speaking about real deep things and he was talking to them about the discrepancy between what was in their hearts and how they were living their lives. He was talking to them about, you are obeying the law on the outside, but what about your heart issue? You, you don't commit adultery on the outside, but maybe you're having lustful thoughts on the inside. And he was dealing with all these kind of real heart issues. And then towards the end of his talk, he gives this very powerful statement. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin don't destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. And this wonderful line, he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one or you'll love the other. You'll be devoted to the one or despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Jesus was just simply saying that what you give your heart to is what you will see as the fruits of your life. 
he presented before his followers two scenarios, a life given to purposefully acquiring as many trophies of our success in this world as possible, or a life that is given to a more eternal motivation. He was presenting these two choices. And I'm sure that John, the Apostle John, he was one of the followers who was sitting on the mountain that day. And later, after the church, the church has been established, and he's one of the apostles that helped establish the early church, he wrote a number of letters to the churches. And I'm pretty sure that when he wrote the words in 1 John 2, verse 15 to 17, I'm pretty sure he was recalling those words of Jesus when they had that heart-to-heart chat on the mountain. And this is what John says, and I'm reading, reading from the message. He says, Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set up for eternity. I recently read a story that Brian Houston, who leads Hillsong Church, he um, told the story about two young men that he met in his church in Australia. And uh, one of them had set their vision on becoming a millionaire by the age of 30. That was his goal in life. And Brian shares as he tells the story that he really thought that this young man actually had the potential to do that. But as inevitably happens, tough times came and his vision to become wealthy just was not sustainable. And uh, he just couldn't make it happen. And so that even as he was in his late 30s, he still hadn't attained this dream to be a millionaire by the age of 30. But then he told the story of another young man who he thought actually his dream was even more grandiose than the other one. And this young man said, Brian, my personal vision is to help fund the salvation of the earth. Sounds grandiose, doesn't it? But to him, business was a tool to help fund the cause of the king and his kingdom. And he too faced setbacks over the years, things that could have derailed his vision to actually do something to fund the salvation of the earth. But he held on to his vision because it was about a bigger cause. It was about a, a vision for God and his kingdom that kept him motivated. It wasn't just about making money. I think that all of us, sometimes in our lives, have to face the question, what gets me out of bed in the morning? What is the thing that makes me get up and go? And yes, it can be a desperate need for a cup of coffee or a crying baby. That can often get us out of bed in the morning. But when I'm talking to you about being intentional, it's not just about going through the motions of life and staying in the same routine. 
Have you ever been in such a rote mode when you're driving your car, you're driving somewhere and you just suddenly think, how on earth did I get here? And you were actually driving to work when you weren't supposed to be because it's just such a, a familiar journey and you just land up doing the same thing. And uh, not that routine is a bad thing. I think that routine is really good. It create, creates stability and order in our lives and it gives our children and our families security. But I want to say that sometimes we can be stuck in a rut of what we give ourselves to and what motivates us and drives the choices that we make. We do so much without thinking about why and uh, asking ourselves, you know, how does this part of my life edify those around me? How does it bring something of God's grace and kingdom values into the situation? So to go back to that little story of when Jesus was chatting to his friends on the mountain in Matthew 6. You know, I love how he ends the message because Jesus really wanted them to get the bigger picture of how much God loved them. He wasn't just about saying, guys, get your hearts right. He was saying, guys, there's a bigger vision, there's a bigger dream, but I want you to understand this that you need to understand how much and how deeply loved you are by God. How generous his heart is towards you. Because Jesus knew that much of their drive to gather wealth and status and all the trimmings is because they'd lost sight of how much God cared for them. And Jesus put it this way. And again, I'm going to read to you from the message version. He said, If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in the latest fashion. There's far more to your life than the food that you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down by a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count more than the birds. I want to, as I'm reading this, I want you just to think this is Jesus speaking to you as well and to me. And he says, goes on to say, Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror got even taller by so much as an inch? I wish. <laughs> All this time and money wasted on fashion. And do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen such color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. And if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which we have never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, not to be so preoccupied with getting, so you can start to respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works, they fuss over all those things. 
but you know both God and how he works. <coughs> Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will deal with whatever hard things come when the time comes. I think it's really good to hear the word sometimes read in a contemporary interpretation because that's how Jesus was probably chatting to his disciples in a very conversational style. And really, things haven't changed in 2,000 years. I think that when Jesus took his followers out that day and decided to climb up a mountainside with them. I mean, he could have just met in the synagogue and chatted to them, but he took them on an outing up a mountain. And they all had to walk and climb all the way over rocks and things to get there. I think Jesus had a very clear reason why he took them on an outing. Because he was taking them out of their everyday routine away from all the things that demanded their attention and he was trying to give them space to stop, to listen, to think and to reconsider the rat race of their lives. He was asking them to think about the things that drove them and their choices and their decision making. He was helping them to unravel all the mixed emotions and fears and desires that fueled their priorities. Last week, I was going, as I was going for a walk in Casterbury Park, I love the park at the moment. I mean, it's always beautiful, and I'm sure wherever you live, there's these lovely autumn trees. And I had the podcast in, and I was listening to a sermon by Tim Keller on Sabbath rest. And in this little sermon, he shared a story about a woman journalist who lived in New York, and she worked in New York, and she told the story about how she grew up in a Jewish family with all the religious practices and visiting the the shul or the synagogue on, on the Sabbath. But as an adult, as she grew up, she chose to reject her faith, and she just threw her whole life into her work and just achieving everything that she could in her career. That was what took her, her whole focus. And after a few years of being caught up in this incredible drive of, of making her life work in the rat race of New York, she found herself going along to the synagogue some days just to sit quietly and have a little bit of peace and time to herself. And after a while, she decided that she was going to start attending the shul every Sabbath. And in her article, she writes that she slowly began to appreciate the value of community worship, a set time in the week that was sanctioned by the values and traditions uh, of coming aside to reflect and gain perspective for life. And uh, she shares that possibly in and of herself, she would never have sustained that weekly discipline if it was just up to her because life with all its demands and distractions would derail any good intentions. But a solid, dependable community value of worshipping God each Sunday helped her become intentional about making this a priority in her life. 
I find it really amazing that this woman who wasn't saved found this amazing value in this place of being in, in, in God's presence with community. And as we've been teaching through Galatians, as Anne's taught so well, we are not under law, we are under grace. And yet God asks us to still be intentional about our choices. There's a wonderful value in finding a space in our week that God has provided that we can come aside, reassess our week, reassess our lives, just sit under the word and be refreshed. It's his wonderful blessing to us. And uh, I just think how wonderful that God is so gracious that he gives us everything we need for life and godliness, but we can be intentional about valuing those things. I was reading a, a thing in the, in the uh, do you know the lady, do you know the Huffington Post? I think it's an online tabloid kind of uh, news journalist thing. And um, the lady who started it, uh, her surname is Huffington, but I can't think of her first name. Uh, I, I was listening to a talk that she gave um, to a whole group of businesswomen, about 300 businesswomen. And do you know what she spoke about? She wanted to tell all these women what they needed to do to succeed. She said, sleep. You need to get sleep. <laughs> Isn't it funny that we have to be intentional about taking rest? Because I want to say that our lives will just come and harass, demand, come and demand all the things that we need. We need to prioritize taking time out to hear God, to to let him come and speak to us. We need to take time to rest our spirits, rest our bodies, rest our souls, so that we can make sure that we are aligning our lives around the right things. Because I believe that living intentionally as a Christian means seeing how something of God's kingdom can come in the different areas of our lives. And I think that when our vision aligns with the cause of Christ, we give our lives to making intentional purpose uh, decisions around that cause. So um, I just want to check what the time is because I know it's, am I okay? Um, so I think one of the things we can do is just ask some simple questions about our lives to say, Lord, how can I make my life more focused around the wonderful, exciting cause of your kingdom? I thought of some of these questions. I could ask of myself, and maybe you could ask these. How can my marriage be a partnership that serves God, God's kingdom? And I always, I always think of, it's very interesting because Ant and I are very different, and I remember when we first got married, and I thought, gee, we're really different. But you know, God is so amazing because he does this. He takes two different people and he brings you together for a common vision. A common vision is what unites us to find a way forward. And I want to encourage you in your marriages. You, you might be very different, but God's given different gifts. And he wants to help you find that vision of why he's called you together for a wonderful purpose for his kingdom. How can I, if I was a single person, maybe I would ask, how can I find this life balance of friendships and work and all the demands of my life, and how can I find a place to serve and build God's kingdom in that? And how can I begin to see my workplace as a mission field 
instead of a place where I have to just go through all the demands of life. Actually, maybe there's people God wants me to reach out to there. As a parent, I could ask the question, how can our meal times as a family become moments where I can mentor my kids um, about healthy life choices and having compassion for the, the lost and the broken? And I could ask myself this question, how do I prioritize my finances that I can still be generous for the kingdom? Because when the kingdom becomes our vision, all our other priorities align around that central cause. Do you you understand what I'm saying? It shapes and filters everything we do. So just to finish off with, I want to look at just a few things that I think we could give attention to to help our lives become more intentional. And the first thing I just want to speak about is our emotions. Paul and James, they speak about us needing to become mature so that we're not tossed this way and that way by wrong teachings or other people's manipulations. And we need to learn to master our own emotions so they don't derail us from making good choices. Whether it's fear, anxiety, anger, hurts, insecurities, they can often come and rob our focus. You, uh, you, you can be doing so well and then something comes left field and you're just like flawed because something in your emotions just take a tumble. And if you see that pattern, every time you're being intentional and you're making some good choices, then take some time out, stop, get your headspace together, notice the pattern and try and ask the Holy Spirit to give you his peace and to refocus your emotions. It's a bit like the tail wagging the dog emotions. They're good, we need them, they're real, they give us their little flags about what's going on in our heart, but they shouldn't make us go this way and that way and keep changing our focus. Being intentional means mastering our emotions. Then the second thing I want to say is find a personal vision. And last week I spoke about self-awareness. I think that it's so important that each of us gets to know what are my natural gifts and talents, and I'm sure most of you do know what that is. But asking, saying, God, I know that that's a clue to how you want me to impact, make an impact for your kingdom. Because your purpose, why God made you, it's very clear. Your purpose is what you love. What do you love doing? That's your purpose. It's not too hard. And it's very simple. And sometimes I know our jobs might not be exactly what we love. But wouldn't it be great to get paid for what you love? Wouldn't it be great to maybe say, God, can I get paid for what I love doing? If it's playing video games, well, I don't know. Is that you, Matt? I didn't. It wasn't prophetic. No, you never know. You never know. <laughs> but whatever you are passionate about, whether you're good at the arts, or good at music, mechanics, technology, speaking, writing, administration, caring, teaching, medicine, I don't, I don't know. I, I'll probably miss someone out. Those things have been given to you for the purpose of God's kingdom. Do what you love and do it for the bigger cause of Christ and his kingdom, and then you'll begin to live with a joy and an intentionality in all your decision-making. And the next thing I want to speak about is don't be afraid of hard work. 
Do you know that it took 200 years to build the wall of China? And 16... Oh, I was supposed to put up... I was supposed to have an AV slide of Mount Rushmore, yes. It took 14 years uh, to sculpt Mount Rushmore. I wonder who, whoever started that vision might have started with the nose and a piece fell off and thought, geez, I'm giving up on this, what a stupid idea. But 14 years later, there's that amazing sculpture in the side of a mountain. Whenever something is worth doing, it's worth persevering and it's worth working hard for. And uh, we were just chatting in the car and saying, have you noticed people that really, really work hard? It's usually because they really love what they're doing. So working hard is not a bad thing. It's actually when you're passionate about something, it's what you want to do. And Psalm 128 tells us that those who fear the Lord will be blessed and they will eat the fruit of their labor. In other words, when you love the Lord and carry his cause in your heart, he will reward you for all your hard work. And uh, so rolling up our sleeves and doing whatever it takes to get our goals realized is a good thing. Whatever you do, do it with your whole heart. Um, and then I'm going to go to... I'm just aware of time. Am I going too long? I'm just... I'm going to mention the last two, and the one that I want to speak about is reminding yourself of the prophetic promises over your life, because all of our lives have different seasons, and when we understand what God is saying to us prophetically, um, it's the next picture, actually, because I'll skip one. I put up the picture of the rainbow because of that prophetic word that God had over us as a church, of the different colors of the rainbow being different things that he's wanting to fulfill over each of our lives in different ways. But when we understand what God has been saying to us prophetically, when we listen to this still small voice in that he says, this is the way, walk in it, you can make decisions so much more confidently, can't you? You can be so much more intentional because you know that you're walking in God's will. And when the priorities of Jesus become our priorities, then we can start to sift away those agendas and activities that rob us from being fruitful in life. And the last thing I want to say, which is the next slide, is... I'm sure you've got a GPS system in your car, and the GPS shows you where you're starting your destination, and then it gives you all the clues along the way of how you get there. Well, I want to say that the Word of God is like a GPS. It says in Psalm 119, the Word is a lamp for my feet, and it's a light for my path. Uh, there's a verse in Ephesians 5, verse 10, very simple. It says, figure out what pleases Christ and then do it. Figure out what pleases Christ and do it. The word is like a roadmap for our lives. And again, when we have time out, when we're intentional about finding space to hear God's voice through his word, through his spirit, it gives us confidence to make intentional choices in our lives. And it empowers us not to be buffeted this way and that way by things that happen to us. But, and we're just reacting out of responses. But we're actually choosing how we want to do what we want to do. 
I want to encourage you this morning. Whatever God has asked you to put your hand to, don't grow weary in doing good. The word says, for in due time you will receive a reward. Don't give up. If you feel like you've been persevering in an area, don't give up. You will see the reward. God is faithful. He will come and meet you in whatever you're doing. So I want to ask you this morning as, as we close, maybe for you, your vision for your life, maybe it's, maybe it's shrunk down by busyness. You're just doing so much that you've lost focus for the big vision, the big picture of what God has for you. I want to pray this morning that something of a vision for the kingdom of God will come and reignite in our hearts. And for me, just listening about uh, Cambodia, that's a wonderful example of being intentional. Now, I put up my hand to say, I want to go to Cambodia. Do I have the money? No. (laughs) So I could be going, oh my goodness, that's a stupid pie-in-the-sky dream. I don't have that kind of money. But I can be intentional about it and start saying, God, I'm by faith, I'm going to trust you for that money and I'm going to do whatever I can to find it. Because when we want to see God's kingdom come, we can't let things stop us. We've got to make plans and trust God. If he's speaking, he will make the way. So I don't know what it is for you, what the big kingdom thing is that God's put on your heart. But don't let things stop you. um, Sophie, can you put the picture of the flowers up again? Because that's a picture of our back garden. And um, uh, maybe I can just finish with this. Because I think that when you set your mind to something, you will make it happen. When we moved into our house, we had a bit of a grotty back garden when we bought our house. It had a huge shed that took up half the garden made up of old rotten doors. Was really, and it had a little patch of grass and nothing much else. And so we decided, we had a vision in mind that we were going to change our garden so that it could be a space where the boys could play and where we could have friends around and let it be a blessing to people. So what did we do was we knocked down the big shed, we pulled out some trees, uh, we built a, a, a wall with that uh, Cotswold stone. We dug out three skip loads of stuff and we laid a patio all on our own, the two of us with our two boys. <laughs> it took a few months. It was like a rubble heap all over the place. And, but eventually, and we pl- planted grass and God gave us this wonderful Romanian guy who helped pull up our patio and relay it because it wasn't that great. But the, the amazing thing is that uh, when you have a, a picture in your mind and you set yourself targets, you can achieve it. And I'm not talking about just being positive thinking. When you're intentional, you can achieve what you put your mind to. And God has given us a big cause. What is your vision in that cause? What is our vision as a local church? And where do you play your part? And let's be intentional about prioritizing our life's choices, our decisions, the things that we value, so that we can see that vision for God's kingdom come and be established. So I hope that encourages you. So I'm, I'm just going to pray. And I, if, I, if I was out there, I'd probably stand for this prayer, which you don't have to. But 
do you want to pray for more of the vision of God's kingdom to consume your heart, for you to see more of what he has for you, why he saved you? He saved you because he wants to be in relationship with you, but he's got so much he wants to give you to feel purposeful about. He wants to give you a, a heartbeat that goes, I'm so excited about my life. I've got so much to do. I want to get out of bed in the morning because... God has got a, a great job for me. And whatever it might be doing, whether it's your art, whether it's your baby, whether it's caring for people, whether it's teaching, whether I don't know what it is, it's doing your accounts well or whatever, God is saying, I've got a, a kingdom vision for you and a, something wonderful for you to give yourself to. So why don't you all just stand and I'll pray for you, everybody. We can, if you want to. <laughs> Father, I just want to thank you for your wonderful call to each of us, that you took us out of a place of darkness, you took us out of a place where we um, didn't know you, and we maybe had a view of our lives that was either hopeless or was going after things that were, not go were going to be a dead end. And you've called us and you've given us a higher purpose, an eternal purpose to live by. Lord, I want to pray where that vision for your, for your kingdom has grown cold in our lives, where it's grown small, where we've lost a passion, Lord, for the things that you are passionate about. Father, I want to pray, would you reignite our hearts as a church community? Would you allow us to find again that, uh, that flame that would burn brightly, that we would run hard after the things that you are running hard after, that we would not stop or consider something to higher cost, that we would see with the eyes of faith that all things are possible because we have put our faith in the God of the impossible. And Lord, I want to pray today, you would start to plant seeds in people's hearts. Right here, right now, Lord, there would be people's <coughs> hearts that would be start to be ignited by possibilities, because you are stirring something in their spirit. God, reignite dreams that have grown cold. Reignite where people have come under disappointments or disillusionment or just feeling weary from the drag of life. God, I want to pray. Let us become an intentional people who build our lives for the cause of Christ and his kingdom. Let it so burn with the passion in our hearts that we will actually will be unstoppable because we have your fire of your love and your spirit burning within us. And I ask that in Jesus' holy name, come and do a deep work in us as individuals and as a church community. In Jesus' name, amen.